You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Today we're studying offenses against the Holy Spirit. And it's really all about relationship. All of life is about relationship, isn't it? It's, it's relationships with people in our lives that matter. And it's really a relationship with God that matters more than any other thing in the world. You know, relationships are interesting, aren't they? They, they change as time goes on. You see, I graduated in 1996. And I have a relationship with two people from high school. <laughs> After all of these years, about 20 years have gone by, or more than 20 years have gone by, and, and relationships with those people have changed as time has gone on. And, and it's a very interesting thing. Uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, I had strong relationships with several of the guys in my unit but interestingly enough, even those relationships have changed as time goes, goes on. And we saw less and less of each other and heard from each other less and less. And now, I really don't keep up with any of them except a few of those guys that were a part of my unit. And it, it's interesting. Some of the relationships have gotten weird. You know, some of them just go south and they just don't have the same meaning because we don't share the same values. And, and so we've gone different ways other relationships have gotten better as time goes on. Fifteen years ago, I married my wife, Rebecca. And that relationship, I can tell you, is only getting better as time goes on. Now, yes, it took a long time of struggle. It took a long time of getting to know one. It took a long time of learning a lot. But as the Lord has worked in my life and in her life... I can honestly say that relationship is getting deeper and better as time goes on. Relationships with children and, and, and all of these things, we can go on and on, all of these relationships that have so much meaning and value in our lives. But did you know that for God, the number one relationship in, in his life and his concern is you. It's you. He loves you. He loves you so much that he sacrificed the most valuable thing that he had in order to be able to make you righteous and to save you, redeem you. You see, love is always requiring of a sacrifice. And in today's world, you and I, we would put a material price on love much of the time. Our love is measured in what we can give. And not always, not always, but many times... We think, wow, the more loving we can be, that means bigger, better, it means you know, greater. But listen, all the material things in the world are meaningless and valueless to the Lord. Well, I, I should take that back. I shouldn't say that they're all meaningless and valueless. But insofar as they do not aid our relationship with God, they don't have any importance to the Lord. Monetary value, money, you know, money and, and materials, all of those things, that's not what is important to God. The most important thing that God has was a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. And he gave his son freely in, in evidence, in proof, if you will, of his great love for you. And that great sacrifice tells you the value that he puts on your relationship with him and my relationship with him. And today we're going to be talking about how the Holy Spirit aids us in that relationship, 
in understanding where we're at with the Lord and understanding our relationship to the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. He dwells in our hearts, revealing Christ to us, speaking to our hearts, leading us and teaching us and guiding us in the truth. And so today's theme is that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Holy Trinity, can be offended by certain actions in our lives can be offended by certain actions that you choose to do. And our first point this morning, if you have your study guide and you want to pull that out, is that in the life of the unbeliever, there are three things, three offenses the Bible mentions against the Holy Spirit. And I want to note before we get into those three points this morning, that although we're talking about offenses against the Spirit by an unbeliever this morning, that doesn't mean that this can never happen between your relationship and the Lord, okay? There's also possibilities of that happening as well, but we see here that mainly the Bible speaks of these three things in relationship to an unbeliever. A, point A, is resisting the Holy Spirit. Resisting the Holy Spirit. If you're in Acts chapter 7 this morning, let's read together verse 51. Stephen, one of the first deacons in the church, a man full of wisdom, full of the Spirit, he says this in his sermon. He says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Now, that verse, within its context, is in in, in a testimony that Stephen is giving before the Sanhedrin, the council of the Jewish religious leaders. And they had put him on trial because, well, because they were tired of him preaching in the name of Jesus. They were tired of what God was doing in that city through this man. And as they began to discuss with him and dispute with him, they couldn't hold, their their arguments didn't hold water against his arguments. As he shared and poured out his heart, the Holy Spirit aiding him and telling them about Jesus and telling them the truth. Well, as he spoke and they were offended, they were actually guilty of this first thing here. They were actually guilty of resisting the Holy Spirit. And that's why Stephen says it. He just calls it out like it is. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. Okay, that's just kind of like New King James Version way of saying you're stubborn. <laughs> you're stubborn and you're fleshly. You're carnal. You put yourself above what God wants. And he says, you're you're actually, in doing that, you're actually resisting what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You see, since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem, and in the days and the weeks and the months and years that followed, the Holy Spirit was doing an amazing work. The church was growing by leaps and bounds. In one day, 3,000 souls added to the church. Another day, 2,000 people received the Lord and began to walk with Jesus And then in increments of individuals after that, it was growing. And the Spirit is doing a work. And in the midst of that work, you have these religious leaders. These guys who are called by God to lead the nation, to be shepherds spiritually to them. And yet they are guilty of being stiff-necked, resisting the work that God wanted to do in the nation of Israel. Resisting the work that God was seeking to do. 
And so Stephen calls him out on that and he says, listen, you always resist the Holy Spirit, even as your fathers did, so do you. And so we see that this is, this is a possibility. This is an offense against the Spirit. We can, through stiff-necked and stubbornness, resisting the move of the Holy Spirit, we can stand our ground and say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not in. I'm not buying it. I'm not going to jump on board. I'm not going to surrender my will and yield my life to the Spirit. I'm going to do things my way, and I'm going to do it the way I want to because I'm putting myself before others and before God. And that is a way that we resist the Holy Spirit. Secondly there, point B, we can insult the Holy Spirit. Excuse me. My voice is breaking here. <clears throat> Insulting. <clears throat> Insulting the Holy Spirit. It's a little bit better. So don't want anybody to get any ideas. Insulting the Holy Spirit. And ch- turn over to Hebrews chapter 10 with me. I guess all that talk about high school and relationships in the past, you know, just took me back to the days when my voice was changing. <laughs> Hebrews 10, and look at verse 29 with me, where we read that we can actually insult the Holy Spirit. It says, of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. So very clearly there, we read in Scripture, we can actually insult the Holy Spirit. And how does that happen? Well, it happens when we trample the Son of God underfoot, first of all. How do we trample the Son of God underfoot? Well, we despise the sacrifice. We make light of the cross. We, we consider that the cross of Jesus Christ is not really that big of a deal. You know, we can do that by thinking things like, well, God doesn't love me. You know, Romans 5, 8 says that God demonstrates his love towards you and me in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, the ultimate declaration of the God of the universe, his love for humankind, is that he gave the most valuable thing in his possession. And that was a relationship with his son. He sent his only begotten son. There was of nothing higher to our God. And yet he was willing to lay that down, sacrifice him for you, a relationship with him. And so when we take that sacrifice and we say, you know, Jesus is my homeboy, and we make Jesus out as a light thing in our lives, and his work for us, and his love for us, and that act of dying on the cross, we trample the Son of God underfoot. And if we count the blood of the covenant, it says, by which he was sanctified, a common thing. That is to make Jesus less than God himself. To say that Jesus Christ was just a son of God. To reduce him to, you know, one God amongst many gods, as Mormon religion does. That is a dangerous thing. Because you're making Jesus Christ just a common thing. He's just one God among many sons of God. 
And so it's a very scary thing to be doing that. It's an insult to the spirit of grace, it says there. And so we need to be very careful about this because this is one of those things that, this is one of those gray areas where this doesn't necessarily only pertain to an unbeliever, but I believe that believers can insult the spirit of grace. What is the spirit of grace? Well, grace is God's unmerited favor. It's his, his amazing love, his loving kindness poured out for you and for me, even though we don't deserve it. And we can make that a common thing. or the, the fact that we could say, you know what? It doesn't really matter that God sent his son. He's not the only way to heaven. Or that we could take Jesus and reduce him from deity to just a lesser God or a divine being as the Jehovah's Witnesses do. And, 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 and the Mormon religion does as well. And all of these other religions that take Jesus and the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, and they reduce them to less than deity and to do that is 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 an insult to the spirit of grace the bible teaches the spirit of grace i love that title because it reminds me of god's graciousness his loving kindness you know grace is god just wanting to love on his kids just because you're his kids you know it's that feeling you know when you're driving by sweet frog and you go who wants ice cream kids and they all go, we do, we do. And then you say, what's it feel like to want, you know, or too bad, you know, and you keep driving. That's the opposite of the spirit of grace, okay? The Holy Spirit's like, let's pull in there. Let's hook them up just because we love them. Let's bless them with the heavenly blessings. We're not talking about material blessings. We're talking about the spiritual blessings here. I know you laugh because you do that to your kids too, by the way. It's horrible. It's cruel. It's the opposite of the spirit of grace. Then there's also blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Point C. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Turn over to Matthew chapter 12 with me. In your Bibles. Yeah, we jump, we're jumping all over the place again today. Telling you, whenever we do these kind of deductive Bible studies, we're going to be jumping all over the scriptures. Blaspheming the Holy Spirit. This is a big one, guys. People have a lot of questions about this. A lot of times, Christians want to know hey, have I ever committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? As a pastor, I hear that quite a bit. And, and, and unbelievers as well want to know this. Hey, have I, have I, am I beyond. Saving? Am I beyond being saved? I've committed blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Listen, let's study this for a second. Let's find out what the Bible is teaching about this. Matthew chapter 12, let's begin in verse 30. We read this, He who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or in the age to come. Now notice with me, first of all, in verse 30, Jesus makes it clear here, there is no middle ground. There is no neutral ground. You don't get to kind of be on the fence, so to speak, when it comes to Jesus Christ. When it comes to making a decision about him, you don't get to just camp out in comfort. Okay? You're either for him or you're against him, guys. That's how the Lord sees it. 
You're for or you're against. You're not in the middle. You're not like, well, you know, some days I'm for and some days I'm not. No, you're either in or you're out. So we need to know that. But then next, Jesus gives a serious warning here to these religious leaders. Again, religious leaders, guys. (laughs) Speaking a warning to myself. To our own board of elders here in the church. We, We can so often be in a place where we can hinder what the Spirit wants to do. I pray that you guys are praying for us. And, and, and asking that the Lord would, you know, lead through us and, and lead us in His ways, in His will. But Jesus giving this serious warning here to religious leaders who are in the process of rejecting Him. That's the context of these verses. And they're rejecting Jesus by speaking against or blaspheming the Holy Spirit and His ministry. Listen, the Holy Spirit's ministry, guys, is to testify of Jesus. John chapter 15 verse 26 tells us that. That's his ministry. He testifies of Christ and to regenerate a person's spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 16, or sorry, John chapter 3, he talks about the, the new birth and how the Holy Spirit is the one that initiates that new birth in a believer's life, regeneration. So the, that's the ministry. And so these guys are blaspheming. They're speaking against the Holy Spirit. They're speaking against His ministry. <clears throat> and to blaspheme the Holy Spirit then involves a rejection of God's Son and God's salvation. So Jesus warns these religious leaders that they're close to committing this unpardonable sin. He doesn't say that they've actually done it. If you study the text, He's telling them, listen, you're close It's a strong, severe warning that these guys are on the brink of committing the unpardonable sin. And what was it that they had done? Well, they had just witnessed Jesus Christ heal a a person who had demons. And these demons were causing him to be blind and dumb. And, And so Jesus does this miracle in their midst and they go, oh, he did that by Satan's power. So they're rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ. And the testimony that Jesus Christ is God, they're rejecting that. So the seriousness of this unpardonable sin should cause us to take a closer look at it and to make sure that we understand it. How can a person know if they have blasphemed the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, let me say this. The fact that a person wants Jesus Christ at all shows us that they are not guilty of committing this sin. So if in your heart you're going, man, I I hope I didn't do that because I need Jesus. I know I need him. You are not guilty of committing the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. But we should also note that a person's continual rejection of Jesus Christ is putting them on a path of hardening their heart. And making this idea that you might lead to a full and final rejection of Jesus Christ a reality. Now that would be the unpardonable sin. A final rejection of Jesus Christ. But obviously, if, if we're taking this correctly, then that's not going to happen until you step into eternity. When God seals you in the decision that you've already hardened your heart to make for your whole life. 
But listen, some people here today might be worried that at some point in their lives, hey, I might have accidentally committed the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Maybe it was a joke or something. Maybe it was a dare. Oh, I dare you to say this. And you, in a moment of of foolishness and silliness, you said it. Maybe something like that has happened in your life. But listen, committing the unpardonable sin is, it's much more than just a formula of some words. It's much more than you just kind of saying some magic words and all of a sudden God locks you in forever. Listen, committing the unpardonable sin is, is, is a complete and final rejection of the Holy Spirit's testimony about Jesus Christ. And again, even if a person has said silly things intentionally, you can still repent of that and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you, in doing that, you're preventing a settled and final rejection of Him. So that's the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We come now to the, in the life of the believer, point number two this morning, in the life of the believer, and point A is grieving the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, if you're tired of turning in your Bibles, it'll be on your screen, but Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30 says this to us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So this has the idea of, 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 of sadness. That word grieving brings the idea of sadness. And let me try to illustrate this for you. It's, it's specifically within the context it's talking about sinning. And, and so the idea there is that in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, there are things that you can do, actions you can take that grieve Him. They sadden Him. And and in the immediate context there in the book of Ephesians, if you read it, it's a lot of sins that deal with the mouth. Lying, slandering, speaking maliciously or hatefully about somebody. Uh, uh, Corrupt speech, you know, things that are not edifying. So this idea that we with our words and our manner of speech and the way that we talk, we can hurt the Holy Spirit. This happened to me just the other day, I was... I was in a texting frenzy with some good friends of mine. And you know how it goes in the texting frenzies these days with millennials. You've got to use memes, right? And so I'm looking for memes and making memes and sending memes. And the next thing I know, it's kind of getting, you know, the conversation is taking a little turn for the south, you know. It's, it's kind of not edifying anymore. And somebody left that conversation and I was pierced to the heart. The Holy Spirit went... Hey, that, what, what are you doing? What's your point in this? And I felt this, that I had grieved the Holy Spirit. And it was like, okay, yeah, I need to just, I need to pull up. I need to, so I deleted the meme I was in the middle of making, you know. I was like right in the middle of it. I was like, eh, I'm just not going to send that one, <laughs> you know. Just better hold off. But this idea that we can, we can begin to grieve the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so that that speaks of a sensitivity. Where's our sensitivity level in the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit? Have you ever felt like you've grieved the Holy Spirit? Well, if you haven't, I'm here to tell you today that you have. You have grieved the Holy Spirit just by not being sensitive to the fact that you can grieve the Holy Spirit. He loves you. He's all about you. He's about this relationship with you. And just the fact that you're not enjoying that relationship grieves Him. This morning before I came into church, I was shaving in the bathroom and I heard a loud crash outside in the shop. And I waited to hear, you know, 
what inevitably usually follows that sort of thing is like bawling, you know, crying or yelling, some stuff like that. None of that happened, so I was like, okay, cool. So I just kept shaving. It sounded like somebody dropped a bat, you know, an aluminum bat or something. But about five minutes later, my wife came in and informed me that one of the kids had, you know, thrown the basketball up and hit one of the fluorescent lamps and it had fallen from the ceiling and exploded all over the shop floor, you know. And his words, my, my son's words were, don't tell dad he's going to kill me, you know. <laughs> Just a little window into my family life there. Just being transparent here. But honestly, what happened in my heart was this grieving, you know, like, oh, that's so sad that my son thinks I'm going to kill him, you know. And so, I, you know, after I finished up, I went out there, and he's standing there. He's got tears in his eyes, you know, and he's looking at me like, what am I going to do, you know? And I said, hey, man, come here. You made a mistake. It's okay, you know. Accidents happen, you know. I, I said, well, did you do it on purpose, you know? And, of course, he said no. And I said, okay, man, accidents happen, mistakes. We, we all do it, you know, so just give me a hug. And then I said, I'm not going to kill you, you know. I'm not going to kill you. But, but it, just, it grieved my heart, this misconception this, that, that, that my son had about me, you know. And, you know, I, I think that that was an illustration the Lord gave me exactly for this message this morning. Because I think we grieve the heart of the Holy Spirit sometimes in the way that we think about him. And we go, oh, man, he's going to kill me, you know. He's going to just crush me, you know. Man, he just, he, I can't believe, you know. And we have this concept about the Lord sometimes. It's not accurate. It's not based on Scripture. It's not based on the promises of God. But rather we allow Satan to get in there and to condemn us and to, to warp our brains and to believe a lie. And sin is deceitful, and it causes us to believe a lie as well. It hardens our hearts. And so we get these misconceptions of the Lord and what He's thinking about us, when in reality, the Holy Spirit's just going, oh man, I'm grieved that you feel that way about me, because I love you, and I want to spend time with you. I want to I I do life with you. And that's the heart of the Spirit. That's the heart of God. And we can grieve Him when we think that way. Secondly, we can quench the Holy Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, this is, this is the verse to memorize right here. Do not quench the Spirit, it says. I love that. Do not quench the Spirit. Short and sweet. Do not quench the Spirit. Quenching has the idea of throwing water on a fire. Okay? You quench a fire by throwing water on it. Listen, I believe this pertains to corporate worship. When the Holy Spirit is moving within the body of Christ and things, and He's wanting to do something, He's wanting to move, He's wanting to impart spiritual gifts and edify the body of Christ, and yet there are some that are there in criticism, criticizing the, the, the Spirit, criticizing the worship, criticizing what's happening, and you know what that does? It quenches the Holy Spirit. It keeps the Spirit from being able to do that work which He is desiring to do in the midst of the body. So listen, it's, it's dangerous to be critical of the work of the Spirit. It's dangerous. It's much better to not come into the place of worship and begin to crit, with a critical heart, pick it apart. It's much better to come in and, and with an open heart and open mind and say, Lord, what do you want to do? And then lastly this morning, lying to the Holy Spirit. Point C. Lying to the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, I won't read these scriptures, but they, uh, they will be on the screen. And uh, this is just a story, it's an amazing story, about Ananias and Sapphira in the first days of the early church. And God uh, 
seeking to, desiring to keep that church, the early church, pure from hypocrisy, does a one-time you know, act of God here and takes Ananias and Sapphira's uh, uh, lives because of what? Because they were lying to the Holy Spirit. And it says, as a result of that, the fear of God filled that church and it filled Jerusalem and God did amazing, mighty things in that place. But again, as a one-time thing, I, if lying to the Holy Spirit was something that God took your life for, I'd have been dead a long time ago, guys. Because I've been guilty of the sin of hypocrisy, trying to lie and say that I'm more than what I really am. And, and, and Ananias and Sapphira, they lied to the Holy Spirit in that they sold some property, kept back some of the proceeds for themselves, and then went to the church and presented that proceeds and said, you know, check out what we're doing. We're giving all to the Lord, when in reality, they weren't giving all. Okay, so this, this, this idea that, hey, I'm giving all to the Lord, I've been guilty of that. Hey, I'm giving all to the Lord, when in reality, man, I'm really holding a lot back from myself and living for myself on the side. And that sort of lying to the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a sin. It's a grievous sin that, that can happen in the lives of all of us and probably has happened in all of our lives. But I say all of that this morning just to remind us, hopefully, that it's all about relationship, guys. It's all about relationship. In a love relationship with somebody, your heart for them is good. You have a good will towards that person. At least 99% of the people do. We have a good will towards that person that we love. Our children, our spouse, our, our immediate family. Folks in our congregation, we, we, we try to have this, this agape love, unconditional love towards each other. And in that agape love, we, just, that's a good, we have a good will. I, have, I want good for you. You want good things for me. That's what the Lord wants for you. That's what the Lord has with you. And this relationship, it's a, it's a relationship that's meant to be one-on-one. But we can resist the Spirit. We can, we can insult the Spirit. And if we live our entire lives rejecting the Lord and rejecting His ministry, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which is to testify of Jesus and reveal Christ in our hearts, if we reject that, we commit the sin of the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And the day that we die, God cements us in that choice. But listen, we can also, as believers, grieve the Spirit by the things that we say and do, actions that we take that are not godly, that don't reflect Him. And we need to be tuned into that. Are you tuned into that voice? And we can also harden our hearts by quenching the Spirit. We quench, we criticize, and we despise what's happening in the worship service. And we can keep the Holy Spirit back from doing what he wants to do. And then there's also this lying to the Holy Spirit. We say, you know, it happens in a myriad ways. But we, we basically hypocritically act as if we're much more righteous than what is true about us. And, and, and we hold back giving all of ourselves to the Lord. But hey, if, if we, you're not declaring that, then you're not lying. But if you're trying to put that out there and say, look, I'm holier than thou, and yet that's not the truth. You're lying. So what do we need to do, guys? What do we need to do? What, what, what should this message burden us to do in our lives? Well, hopefully, if you're a believer here this morning, it's going to turn you 
uh, it's going to clue you in to the fact that God has a very personal relationship going on with you. Maybe you didn't realize that. Maybe this is an eye-opener to you. But, but you should be able to sense the Spirit in your heart. He's going to work in conjunction with your conscience to be speaking to you and guiding you. And when you feel that you have grieved Him, hey, you need to repent. You need to examine your life and go, hey, what's, what do I need to turn away from here? What am I doing that's grieving the Spirit of God? And in our corporate worship, what are we doing that's quenching? Is it, do I have a despising attitude? Do I have a critical attitude of what's going on? Oh, that person's raising their hands. Man, they're clapping and being all joyful. What's their deal? You know? I'm not down with that, you know? We can quench what the Spirit's doing. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, if, if Gage down here is up here jumping around, doing the, you know, the holy running man up here, we'll come, we'll, we'll talk to him. Hey, come here, bro. Let me show you where you can do that. And I'll take him out to the parking lot, okay? But no. I'm kidding. Right? We don't want people drawing all the attention to themselves. That's not what worship is about. But at the same time, we shouldn't be despising and criticizing others because they're, just, they're entering in and they're expressive with their bodies. That's okay. David danced before the Lord in his underwear. Don't do that here, though, by the way. The family room and the nursery room, we don't have a room for that, okay? You do that at home in your private room. And don't tell us about it either. But, but let's, let's be sensitive to the Spirit. Let's be sensitive to what He is desiring to do in our lives. If you're an unbeliever here today, hey, the Holy Spirit seeks to testify of Jesus Christ, His love for you. He demonstrated it by dying for your sins on the cross so that you can avoid the judgment of God. And instead of being cemented in a choice to be away from God in the, a place that the Bible calls hell, you can choose to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and be a part of his forever family. Let's pray.